Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey guys, uh, just to start the podcast here, uh, had a complete podcast recorded and then got brought the news that uh, Anthony Costanzo has retired from football uh, and now the Indianapolis Colts obviously have a really big need at left tackle uh, going forward. Wanted to preface that podcast with this because I kind of talk about this situation a little bit later on in the podcast. We get after the quarterbacks a little bit and then I kind of talk about Anthony Costanzo and what the Colts need you know, whether he's there for another year. But that is all null and void now for the most part, at least about Anthony, um, because of his retirement. Only four seasons in his career did he not start 16 games. 12 as a rookie, 13 games in 2015, 11 and 18, and only started 12 this year with some injuries. And I kind of thought that it might be what he would do after being injured and having to be placed on IR kind of the same mentality you would think of as maybe the Andrew Luck situation with being hurt not wanting to really go through all that stuff again in an offseason to fix yourself kind of thought that Costanzo might be in a similar boat and now we see that that's actually what happened so Anthony Costanzo has announced his retirement uh Costanzo it, it has been one of the most um, durable, quality left tackles in football for years, years. Um, I happen to believe that he is a very, uh, I mean, is Hall of Fame in his future? I hope so. I think it probably should be 10 years starting all those games. I mean, that's just not something that you see from left tackles, I don't think, very often. And he was so damn good and underrated. So good. I mean, you saw what happened to the Colts when he wasn't there. You know, Valdir stepped in good in the playoffs in the in the week 17, but I mean, the Colts did not have an answer at left tackle on the roster before that uh, for a Costanzo injury, and now he's gone. Uh, Costanzo says, as a kid, it was my dream to play in the NFL. I played my first full season of tackle football in second grade. Now I have played my last. As I sit here now after a 10-year NFL career, I am extremely proud of all the hard work and sacrifice that allowed me to evolve that dream into a goal and ultimately into reality, unlike anything I could have ever imagined. Um, this, I mean, he goes on uh, about how much he appreciates the Colts as an organization and how he considers himself to be a Colt for the rest of his life. That, guys, that we 10 years goes by fast. It goes by damn fast. I mean, he was... Drafted in 2011, was very good very early in his career and has been excellent throughout his career. He's had a couple of not great seasons, but man, 
as a left tackle in this league, that dude has been a stalwart for the Colts and has done exactly what you want a left tackle that you draft 22nd overall to do in the NFL. Um, <clears throat> really bad news for the Colts. Uh, you're happy for Anthony Costanzo to be able to go and, you know, move on past football, but Colts have a very real, very real hole now uh, at the left tackle position going into this draft. And the Colts are going to have to use probably a first round pick to do that, uh, in my opinion, because the Colts do not have an answer at left tackle at this moment and not a good one and not a long term one. So uh, preface that with the podcast. Uh, we appreciate Anthony Costanzo. Hope for him to have the best in his future and retired life, but we are sure going to miss him in Indianapolis. So uh, let's get on with the rest of the podcast. What we talking about? Indianapolis, AFC South. Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show. Um, another one, you know, just kind of falls by the wayside for the Indianapolis Colts losing to the Bills 27-24. Uh, to 24. We're going to get right into it um, and kind of skip the pleasantries of all this. Wanted a couple days to really kind of analyze this game and kind of just watch it a second time. Um, take uh, somewhat as much of the emotion out of everything as possible and just really kind of look at everything as much as I could that I felt was like an intelligent approach towards not only this game, but the coaching staff and everything that kind of came from it, you know, so I'll be honest with you throughout this game, I was pretty damn impressed with the Colts on both sides of the ball. The biggest, not the biggest, the one thing that aggravated me the most was the drops. Those are something that the Colts haven't really dealt with this year. Um, you know, Taylor dropped a couple, Hines dropped a couple, missed one, you know, that wasn't tipped. I mean, just a, a lot of things kind of didn't go the Colts way. You know, the one thing towards the end of the game where they ended up not uh, overturning the fumble by Pascal uh, was kind of, mind-blowing to be perfectly honest so the Colts shouldn't even have had those extra opportunities the bad thing about the end of the game was that I felt like the Colts ultimately wasted their last possession on just some plays that just weren't going to pick up yardage and that's what you were really trying to do throw a couple things at them pick up yardage and you know try to move the chains enough to where you've got a, either a better shot for a Hail Mary or you've got a really long field goal attempt to try to get this or you can get in the end zone with a big play I just didn't feel like the Colts utilized uh, the time that they did have very well. Outside of that, I'm going to look at this game holistically here and kind of just give it to you straight. Um, I felt like the Colts legit dominated the first half of this game. I mean, time of possession, the way they played, um, just everything about, for the most part, well, the, the game plan, I mean, just everything. Taylor ran well, was very strong, obviously, throughout it. Didn't have the, a lot of holes, but was picking up some chunk yardage with his legs and, and was pushing the pile. I thought he had a nice game. Uh, the Colts were great with starting field position throughout the game. They protected Rivers very well, made plays in contested catch situations. They did a lot of good things offensively that you wanted to see from the Indianapolis Colts that they were going to have to do to even be in the position to win this game or be close enough. 
Uh, Rivers made good decisions and kept the chains moving for the most part. The Colts were very, very good, like I said, on third down uh, on both sides of the ball. Very, very good. Uh, 9 of 17 with the ball, 2 of 9 defending the Bills. <laughs> the best, not one of, the best third down percentage team in the league. With one, I mean, I mean, Josh Allen has made an amazing, amazing leap this year. So he has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year, like legit top three. I mean, I, you can disagree. That's okay. I don't mind. I'm just saying, I think that he has, especially for a guy to go from like a 50 something, it'd be like Jacoby Brissett going to what Josh Allen is right now. If you're looking at completion percentage on its own. I mean, unreal, right? Nobody would expect that from Jacoby Brissett. Um, but Josh Allen has done an amazing job this year, plain and simple. There's just no two ways about it. So that's a big thing, third downs against that team, especially with somebody dan as dangerous as Josh Allen. Um, and speaking of Allen, the Colts pressured him a lot. I felt like they forced him. Uh, rather than allowed him, so to speak. I think they forced him to make plays outside of the pocket and with his legs. He did both of those, but you really put the pressure on him. A lot. I mean, we're talking tippy-toe catches along the sideline. That's just great receiver work right there and great placement on the ball. The Colts forced him to throw it there. Look at it that way. Yes, they converted on a lot of those plays, but the thing is, is the Colts forced them to use those last couple inches of the field to get open. I thought the Colts' defense was really good throughout this game for the largest portion of the game. Uh, I don't feel like the Colts' def defense nef necessarily let them down or anything of that sort. I don't feel like the Colts' offense let them down. Uh, the coverage was great downfield for a large portion of the game. There were a couple, like the TJ Carey, you know, he was just <laughs> overmanned. I mean, outmanned against uh, Diggs. I mean, come on. He made a phenomenal catch, too, across the middle with tight coverage getting hit by Blackman. I mean, just... Diggs is who he is. That shit's going to happen. Um, there were a few other amazing catches, like I said, along the sideline, and you did everything right otherwise if you're an Indianapolis Colt. Um, I'm giving Reich and Eberflus a ton of credit for their game plan, uh, especially up to halftime and largely through the third and fourth quarters. Um, not upset about the fourth and five call. Um, simply upset that the ball was slightly off target. Here's what I am upset about, the third down call. Okay, you're at third and goal. Inside what the one? I mean, we're at the one yard line, and you decide to run outside instead of up the gut with Taylor. I, I that I had a problem with. That puts you at fourth and five versus fourth and goal, even if you're short uh, within the one yard line. You know, I mean, if you get stuffed, what are you at the two or the three? Maybe that that keeps your possibilities open as a play caller. Um, I thought that the play call on fourth and five was really pretty damn good. And here's the thing. You, so many people are going to complain about that. Take the points on the road. No, no, you don't. That fourth down call can be second guessed all day long. But the fact remains that at 10 to seven at that point, if you go up 17 to seven, you're putting all of the pressure on the bills to do exactly what they haven't done to this point. They haven't converted on third down, not throughout the second half. Uh, to catch up, Bills were 0-4 in the first half, okay, on third downs. Um, you were relying on Josh Allen to pass for more than 138 yards and 43 rushing yards. If you, you tell me at halftime you've held that passing game to 138 
and 43 on the on the ground that tells me that you're doing a really good job in coverage especially on a quarterback like that they would have had to stop the Colts on offense which they weren't doing force a turnover they didn't do that the Bills didn't do that and they would have had to stop the Colts on on third down they didn't the Colts were four of eight in the first half and they would have had to rely on them to out coach the Colts I I like the fourth down call a lot a lot third down call I had a problem with that's where we're at if we're playing the actual play calls the percentages so on and so forth I have to believe that the percentage of Josh Taylor Josh Jonathan Taylor running up the gut with a yard to go has a higher percentage of scoring a touchdown than kicking it outside to him and making him do an outside zone with a really tough defense hunting him down that has hunted people down them down all day long I don't understand that okay either way you're taking a chance I feel like you've got a much better chance to stay where you're at or go forward if you go up the gut uh as opposed to starting with the ball four yards deep five yards deep as it is and if the pursuit from the Bills defense is any good then they get them they you know it's a loss and that's exactly what happened so I'm a I'm a big fan of the fourth down call and the idea to go for it I think in that position you absolutely do that you are dominating the game why not put one more thing on top of and here's the thing the Colts go back up against the goal line or you know the the uh uh turnover on downs at the five or or at the three whatever it is you put the bills back up against their goal that's what you want to do that's the point you don't go for it like from the 12 maybe you know maybe you don't go for fourth and five from the 12 maybe you do I don't know. That's a big, that's a much different story, in my opinion, than going for it on fourth down when you're inside the five. It just is. You have a, a good chance of doing that. You're stepping on the necks of a team that is not playing up to what we, we and everybody else thought that their potential was in terms of playing against the Indianapolis Colts. I just feel like the, the Browns were really one of those teams that, or I'm sorry, the Bills were just one of those teams that everybody was pretty much saying, you know, this is a wash. The Colts are going to get smashed. And the Colts played. I think that's a, I thought it was a good idea to go for it. Not going to harp too much more on it. I feel like I've kind of spent too much time on it already. But I love the fourth down call, period. Uh, you can disagree if you want, but the Colts were dominating in all those areas I suggested. Uh, and there really was no reason not to attempt to put this one in a really good position with like what two minutes to go in the half force the bills to do what i mean if it wasn't for kamoko Ture, you won't be pissed about a fourth down call be pissed about that one kamoko Ture jumping off sides on the next possession for the bills that ultimately led to a josh allen rushing touchdown be pissed about that don't be pissed about how the defense played up to that point they had them at fourth and four and kamoko Ture jumps off sides the defense was doing what they were supposed to do except for kamoko Ture. It's hard. I mean, they're pressuring Allen. I mean, look, Allen was Allen had just thrown two really bad passes. I mean, I think I like my situation right there. You know, Kamoko Ture doesn't jump off. The Bills may not score there. Don't forget, if you're going to bitch about three points being the difference in the game, how about Rigoberto? I mean, Rigoberto. How about Blankenship missing a ultimately what is an extra point for a field goal, a chip shot from 33. 
Be pissed about that. That fourth down call was smart. The three points from the field goal, Kamoka Ture forcing them possibly into a turnover on downs with plenty of time for the Colts to do something. Hey, uh, I, I think that you can't say that the momentum killed it in this situation. It obviously was not. And you're putting a team that hasn't done anything up to that point on offense for the most part. You're putting them – I mean, look at that. 138 yards, 43 rushing. I mean, it, that's after that last drive. That's a half. Okay? I mean, I, I like what the Colts did. Um, it proved, Like I said, it proved not to be a mo- momentum killer by the defense. Um, I don't know. I just think there's more things to, if you're going to be pissed at something, that fourth down call should not be one of them. Reich was flawless, in my opinion, up to this point. Through damn near 40 offensive plays, okay? This isn't the first, first drive success that we're all talking about. This is all the way through the third quarter. Reich was excellent. I mean, he was dominating a Bills defense that is very good and that the Colts were just kind of picking apart. Big chunk plays throughout this game. I mean, sheesh. If I mean, you can't be mad about that. If you're going to sit there and say that, you know, I've, and I'm only saying this because some are complaining, you know, saying they didn't like the call and just kind of leaving it that. Some are going way overboard with the Frank Reich needs to be fired shit. Give me a break, guys. I'll, I'll take this any day as opposed to Chuck Pagano, somebody else that we don't know. We don't know anything about them. Some sort of a defensive-minded head coach. Nope, 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 nope. Piss all that BS away and understand that the Colts have a very good head coach and a very good GM right now, and that's not something you dick around with. It's just not. Leave it alone. It ain't going to happen. You're asking for bad karma doing that, especially when you got a guy who dominated one of the best teams in the NFL in the wild card game for 90% of the game. There's a couple dumb plays on, Fr- on Frank's part. Don't get me wrong. But guess what? There isn't a head coach that doesn't make a stupid decision occasionally. Okay. This is just something, I mean, look at everything that happened with the Colts in this. And, and we're going to continue to go through. We're going to go through halftime and everything else. But uh, we're going to take a quick break real quick before we get uh, any further into this. But this is kind of my indictment, so to speak, uh, in the positive for Frank Reich. I think he called a really good game through this. We'll talk more about it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, we are back. Um, let, let's talk uh, uh, some more uh, about this. Um, troubles. Uh, the Colts had a couple drops, uh, and, and some of their plays weren't great execution throughout the game. Don't get me wrong. And, and I'll say this. Uh, for that third down call that I didn't like the call uh, right before the infamous fourth down decision, um, specifically the third and goal, uh, the outside run, Glowinski misses a key block that still could have led to a, a touchdown on that run. Okay, so it was an execution error more than anything because if that becomes a touchdown, um, I still don't like the play call. But at the end of the night, at the end of the game, the result would have been a touchdown had Gowinski not missed that block. I don't know how he missed the block. It seemed to be a pretty, I mean, uh, it just was. It was a whiff, plain and simple. Um, like I said, if there was a change with that, I go inside with Taylor on third and goal. Um, and, and here's the other thing about that play, that fourth down play, maybe. Pittman's a legit superstar in the making, guys. I'm, I'm telling you, the, the you know, I've been wrong about some receivers before, but man, he is so good. And the Colts have such a great beginning with him. He's not just a big possession guy. He's possession with the ability for yak. And that is what the Colts need. Uh, we're going to talk more about the Colts receiving core uh, in future podcasts and probably in the next one, to be perfectly honest with you, because we're going to go through some of these positions because I just don't think that I agree with maybe the, the consensus on uh, a couple of positions here in terms of desperate need and desperate actions or so, uh, whatever you want to call it, just to get the Colts over the hump, because I think there's another route to it that is just as quick and maybe considerably more intelligent, in my opinion. Um, that, of course, because it is my opinion. I think it makes more sense. Uh, but let, let's start at kind of the halftime score. The Colts are down 10 to 14. Uh, Colts were leading in passing yards, slightly behind in rushing yardage, only by you know, a matter of six yards. The Colts were better of third down and 19 plus to 10 plus minutes in time of possession. We're leading in all those categories. So Colts going in the second half and they're doing exactly what we wanted them to do and what basically they wanted to do with just the simple fact that the scoreboard didn't read the way it probably should have. Um, the possession coming in, there was a key missed tackle by Rhodes on third and eight that the Colts could have really kind of gotten off the field right here. I thought this was something that kind of started. And, and you see the momentum kind of shift after halftime a little bit. The Colts get down considerably. But, uh, you know, there was a – and Rhodes – whiffed on this Rhodes has been a good tackler all year and not to mention it was on Beasley who was just eaten up with injuries you, you could tell his lower half was not where it needed to be um Kerry got dinged up on, on a physical t catch and tackle on, on digs uh Kadeem Muhammad did an excellent job of holding the edge and stopped Allen eventually on third down forced a field goal Colts go or I'm sorry Bills go up 17 to 10 right here 
on the next possession, the Colts really started feeding their tight ends. They were just killing the Bills with this. I mean, they got a conversion to Doyle on third and seven, which was an excellent catch. Uh, there was another third down conversion, which was an excellent catch by Mo Ali Cox. Um, another critical third down conversion to Burton. I mean, just it, there was it was just third down, third down to tight ends, and they were open and they were making plays. Uh, Taylor had a drop on second down on this, which I felt kind of killed the Colts' momentum behind this. But the Colts were kind of, you know, uh, there was an incompletion to Pittman. It was thrown behind him. That was straight up on Rivers, bad accuracy um, on that one. And it felt like the Colts' drive here kind of fell apart. Uh, and this is where Blankenship misses his three, uh, 33-yard attempt with three and a half to go in, in uh, the third quarter. Uh, like I said before, if you're going to bitch about fourth down attempts, think about how that could have happened earlier in the game right there you go for a field goal I don't care if it is from you know what 22 yards Blankenship could easily have shanked that one and you're out all the points too not only that but you're in worse field position I'm going for it too just saying um you get the next possession for the Bills and they put more points on the board Allen converts to Diggs on a third and one um Terrible, terrible decision for Frank Reich to challenge the fumble. This is what I said. There was a couple of stupid, stupid things that Reich did uh, in this game. I don't think that the fourth down call was one of them. Um, Moss fumbles after getting kind of dinged up here. He doesn't fumble. I mean, he is so far on the ground. Here's the thing. 14-17 to, to, to go in the fourth quarter, and the Colts are challenging something that they had plenty of time to review. This wasn't even close to a fumble. And they had a commercial break, for God's sakes, to figure it out. Uh, an injury timeout. And the Colts still botched it. That was a bad, bad decision. Takes a, It takes a timeout away. The Colts, obviously, when you look back on that last drive, Colts could have used a timeout because they were not together on that last drive. Um, Allen hits Diggs on the very next play. Big game. Carey gets beat again by Diggs and man coverage. No help over the top, though, from Blackman. I think that's a little underrated. I don't think that he was on an island with him. That was more of a cover three look with the safety coming down to assist in both run support and to maybe get some pressure on Allen. I think it's a smart play. I just, I honestly think, yes, you want to see Carey carry uh, Diggs up the sideline a little more effectively, but you also want, if you're looking at safeties and you're talking about Blackman as a safety of the future for the Colts, he's going to be in a, in a single high look a lot. He needs to be able to make that play or make a play. And he wasn't. So I'm not trying to take all the blame off of carry. Carry had been injured before this, right? We remember that he got dinged up pretty damn good. And I just, I mean, you're asking him to man up on Stefan Diggs. That's a mismatch for 99% of the corners in the NFL. You need Blackman over the top on that. And if, we're saying that maybe Blackman was just basically helped to one side or the other. He better be helping to the side of Diggs. So I'm putting that on both of them. I'm not just solely getting carry with that. Anyways, the Bills go up 24 to 10, a little more than 14 minutes to go in the game. You get some miscommunication on the following Colts drive by Rivers, uh, you know, and then Hines gets a 29 yard run. Taylor picks up a 20 yarder get 11 yards to Pascal. I mean, this is quick, quick, quick. Um, Six-yarder to uh, Mo Alley-Cox, and, and then a nine-yard touchdown to Pascal. Seven plays and a touchdown. Excellent grouping of plays and execution right there for the Colts. 
It's 24-16 with 11-32. The two-point fails, obviously. Uh, Buffalo goes off sides. You guys remember that. Then the Colts decide to go for two, uh, and it just doesn't happen. Um, the Bills end up hitting a field goal from 54. Bass hits it on their next possession. They go up 27-16, and then the Colts come back and, and put uh, a touchdown on the board in just five plays i mean we're talking if the last drive wasn't quick enough for you here's an, here's one with fewer plays uh big third and seven to the connection uh conversion in in the face of pressure to burton uh big 34 yard run from Hines. there bunch of chunk plays for the colts in this i mean god we talk you talk about how many yards they had in this and how they're a first team in history to win the turnover battle and go for what 450 and not win the game but i mean they're i don't know who you want to blame on this because i don't think that there was enough mistakes in this game from coaches or players that we can say that this is a bad game some things didn't go their way I think that the I think this is one of the better games that the Colts and coaching staff has had combined all year I really do a legit defense and a legit offense and the Colts on both sides of the ball dealt with both of those from this team um Anyways, Colts uh, are now down 27-24 with a little over six to go. Houston and Autry get a sack on the next one, really force um, the Bills to punt to them again, and then the Colts just kind of piss the bet on the final final drive. Uh, bad play calling, uh, in my opinion, whether that was Rivers or um, <clears throat> Reich, excuse me, um, whoever it was, bad. <laughs> it was bad. It looked ugly. Um, balls ultimately that were just thrown away because there was nothing going on, nothing open. The Colts didn't take the chance with some time on the clock to get the ball to the middle of the field and clock it. And I felt like they, you know, you ultimately are doing everything outside the hashes there to get out of bounds. And it just, it just wasn't work out. The bills, you know, had it snuffed out and rivers couldn't connect with anybody. So Colts decide to go for a Hail Mary to end it, and it just didn't happen. Otherwise, I mean, just going straight up for this game. I'm not mad about this game. I am not. Third down, they were great. Fourth down, the Colts were 500 or 50% on that. You don't, you don't mind about that. You do look at the red zone and get a little upset because you're 2 of 5. I get that. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it to me, okay. Are you happy if they're three of five? Because if they convert that third down or fourth down, then you're really happy, right? Three of five in the red zone, and the Colts ultimately win this game because they lost by three. Plain and simple. If uh, if Blankenship makes that field goal, the Colts, you know, I think still that the Colts win. A lot of things that you can look at in here, a couple execution plays, a couple of dumb plays that may have cost the Colts timeout or some yardage or just whatever. Otherwise, drops, you know, that was bad, of course. I mean, key drops too. But the Colts played a damn good game on both sides of the ball in this one. And I I'm, I know that everybody wants to hang on uh, on Reich and, and just say, you know, get rid of him or just whatever, however dramatic we're going to get with this. But I thought Reich and Eberflus and, and everybody else that had a, a play in that game coaching-wise did a pretty damn good job in my opinion. I'm, hey, don't get me wrong. I'm ready to throw somebody under the bus. I just couldn't in this game, especially after re-watching it a second time. I just couldn't. 
I mean, you got a pretty damn good game out of Taylor where a defense going into this game knew he was your bell cow, knew that's what you were going to usually look, look what happened to Derrick Henry. They sold out on the, on the run. And what happened in this one? Phillip Rivers made the Bills pay with some damn nice passing. I mean, 27-46, over 300 yards, two touchies, no interceptions. I mean, granted, you want his uh, average, you know, his uh, yards per attempt up higher. But, it, it, you know, he took what the defense was giving him, and he was effective, and I thought he was accurate for 99% of, the, of those throws, at least – he was close enough. There were some of them that are throwaways on the, obviously you look at it, but uh, I, I just wasn't upset with Rivers's play at all or Taylor's. I thought he did good. Only less than, you know, 3.7 yards per carry isn't what you want from the guy that you calling your feature back, but you got great runs out of Hines. Overall, the Colts in the running game, five and a half, almost five and a half yards per carry. You love that big game from Pittman. I thought aside from him getting into the end zone, you know, the, there was, uh, some great play from him. I thought Doyle, you know, seven of his nine attempts for 70 yards and a touchdown. That's a great game for Doyle, who has really not shown up for the vast majority of the year in, in terms of in, uh, of a real presence in that offense. Uh, Pascal, you know, only three for 37, but he had a beautiful touchdown uh, that really kind of sparked the Colts, I thought. Burton, three for 34, caught all three of his uh, targets. T.Y. only two catches for 32. I wanted to see that a lot higher, obviously. But, I mean, just in general, I thought both, you know, that the Colts played pretty damn well. Uh, Autry gets uh, a sack and a half in this one defensively. Leonard has another big game. Um, Blackman played well. Uh, Houston got a, a key, was in on a key sack right there. I thought that we saw uh, Tyquan Lewis show up with some pressure. He got a QB hit. I thought there was some really good play from the Colts here. You got six hits on Josh Allen. That's not bad. The Colts have struggled this year and in the past with mobile quarterbacks. And you got six hits on Josh Allen, and you forced a fumble and probably should have, you know, recovered that. I mean, if the Colts recover that, it's a different game. Just a bad bounce, you know, that hits off uh, Muhammad's leg. And, I mean – Guys, the, the, like I said, we're going to look through all the positions here pretty soon, but this game was not a, a, a sore note in terms for me to go out on the season on. Uh, I'm happy with what they did. I'm happy with Rivers' play. I'm happy with Coach Reich's decisions uh, for the vast majority of it. Um, yet I, I, yes, I think the, the challenge was a complete waste of a timeout. It was stupid. The Colts could have really used that. Um, and there was a couple other plays that we talked about. So, you know, those I thought were bad decisions, but man, it, is coaching kind of like the offensive line in terms of how we decide if they're good? Cause if you, if you're an offensive lineman and you have one bad snap against a defender, you're a bum while defenders get a go at that same offensive lineman 50, 60 times a, a game. And if they have a sack, They've had a great game, you know, uh, whereas an offensive lineman had a terrible game if he gives up that sack on that one play where he's stuffed and stamied whoever he's gone up against. Is that the same way we look at it with coaches or with uh, coaches in, in this league is, you know, if you have a bad decision or a bad, um, you know, a bad challenge or a bad 
uh, series that you're a bad coach, that you're terrible. Because Frank Reich has been pretty good, guys. And he's aggressive. He's not a pussy. You know, and, and that, that's the thing. man. That's how you win games. Taking three points does not win games. It just doesn't. And you say, especially on the road, he should have kicked the field goal. No, especially on the road. Especially on the road, you go for it to step on the team's neck. Especially when you're talking about, and I say, add it on to that, you're talking about one of the top two or three teams in the league. That is the upset of upsets over the first weekend. If Even bigger than the Browns over the Steelers. If the Colts knock off Buffalo. Plain and simple. I loved what he did. I, lo- I loved the decision making. I loved the play call on fourth down. Um, right now, I'm pretty happy with this Colts team. There are some things they're going to have to build on. There are some things they're going to have to do uh, next year to kind of take that next step and become more of a dynamic team. And I think a lot of that's on its way. Um, you look at Paris Campbell. You look at Marlon Mack coming back. You've got Paris Campbell really wanting to do something because his first two years he's been out. How's that second contract look if you don't do something in year three? I'm just saying, look out. That's I mean, that's a, a legit motivational area to the thought process on him coming back. Marlon Mack, same thing. He needs to play another year and, and get that second contract. Colts give him a two-year contract and get him to bust through. I, I think that things are uh, going to be in, in good shape for the Colts going forward. And here's the thing that we're going to get into. I'm just fine with them bringing Philip Rivers back. I'll tell you why uh, here the re- uh, later on in the week or early next week. But we're gonna talk. We're gonna go straight to the quarterback uh, conversation. I think right away because I, I I think there are some people who think uh, get Rivers get rid of Rivers altogether right away. Just get rid of him, put him in the past, build to the future. Um, I'm much more in, in line with looking at what the Colts have in house and kind of keeping it there at outside of the Jacoby Brissett. Um, I, uh, I think you guys know that I'm a fan of Eason. I think you guys know that I, I like what he can do. Uh, we're going to get more into that. Cause I feel like we're going to just do a sec, another, uh, situation here. Uh, with the quarterbacks. In fact, you know what? Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll just do that on this podcast. We'll go ahead and go through the quarterback situation. Uh, we'll be right back after this. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just get into the quarterback conversation right off the jump here. And then we're going to go to another position uh, either later in the week or next week. Uh, let's go straight to the to the cold, Colts quarterback. Uh, first of all, Jacoby Brissett has no business in, in on this roster. Um, he is a great team guy, all those things you love about him. He, and he is a good, he, he, his third down stuff this year, his third down package really did help the Colts out a lot. Um, so there's definitely that it it did help the Colts. It, It kept them, you know, viable on third down for several plays when you're third and short that, I mean, third and short, short. So not to discount him, but. He's not the future of this team, and he's not the right now. So you've got to let him go. Um, you've got Phil Rivers in-house that you can re-sign. Looking at the contract, are you too worried about what his contract is? You don't want to look at the $20 million or whatever else he got this year. Okay, maybe it won't be quite that much because Rivers is another year older. 
uh, Rivers did have 24 touchdowns on the season. Um, aside from his 2019 season with uh, with LA, that wasn't that was one of his lower touchdown uh, combinations. I mean, lowest since 07. So when he had 21, everything was 25, 26, uh, and above into the 30s. He he was good, not great in terms of getting those touchdowns. And I think a little bit of that is a lack of arm strength uh, in his age 40 season that he's going to be in next year, uh, or or whatever. Uh, I just feel like that it was it was good, not great touchdown wise. 24, I want more. I want I want 30. You know, uh, I think that's natural. Uh, but 4.4 uh percent touchdown rate and i think that's pretty good for him throughout his career he's had a lot of those uh right there even when he's thrown almost 30 touchdowns 4.4 percent uh 4.9 and he threw 26 before 27 with 4.6 um and so i don't think that the number of touchdowns is too indicative you look at he had 543 attempts um that is his second lowest in the past man 10 years Second lowest in the past 10 years. So you like that they didn't use his arm, didn't have to use his arm as much. Everything he does mentally at the line of scrimmage gives him that next level to me as a starter in this league. And unless he completely craps the bed next year, I mean, he only had 11 picks this year, guys. Okay? Outside of his 2017 season, that is the lowest amount of interceptions since 2013. Okay, and even before that, he had 15, 20, and 13, and he only had 9 and 09. So you're looking at a pretty good interception rate there, 2%, lowest since 2017, and uh, only had two of those uh, early for the last eight years before that. So you had a pretty damn good season. Four, over 4,000 yards from the guy. He's a 4,000-yard magnet. He is going to hit 4,000 yards. Um I just think that you got a good year out of Philip Rivers. He definitely took the help take this team to the playoffs. He was definitely good for a couple of these wins. Had a couple fourth quarter comebacks this year. Had three game winning drives. Um, I, I just I just think that you look at uh, this as a win. You bring him back, yeah, I think you do. I really think you do. Uh, you've got some stuff that you want to do in free agency, including in-house, I'm all good with that. But you've got a quarterback in Jacob Easton, a backup, okay, 6'6", 231, cannon. Um, We don't know what he's going to become. I loved him in college. He had some legit issues, okay, one of them. And people want to compare him and Herbert. Guys, they're not comparable. They're not the same player. They are nowhere near the same athlete, okay? Herbert is special. He was my favorite quarterback of this of, of this past draft. I just thought he was, I thought he was so much better than everybody was giving him credit for. Um, and Jacob Eason was, I think, fourth or fifth. Um, Eason has some legit pocket issues. Okay, don't get me wrong. He tries to spin out of the pocket. He's not a mobile guy. Okay, that has to be fixed. He's got to be stepping up and being able to navigate the pocket. He's got to be a little more intelligent with some of his decisions, but he has a cannon. I love his accuracy. I want to see him. You know, we saw a statement from him saying he he's going to practice in this offseason as if he's the starter. He sure as hell better. 
because this dude's got all the physical traits you want, and I think he's a, I really think he's a good quarterback. And I th- I'm not saying he's the guy for the Colts, you know, for the next 10 years or anything like that. I'm not going to there. No, am I saying he can take him to the next level? I don't know, maybe. But I want to see him and these young receivers on, on this Colts team. I mean, I want to see him and, and you know, e- even T.Y., of course, you want to see stuff like that in, in the offseason. But I want to see him and Pittman and, and, you know, even Pascal and just some of these guys, Hines, the, working on the passing game in the offseason together by themselves. I want them to be visiting and, and going through this. He better be doing that because I think Rivers is going to. And if Rivers wants to play again, if the Colts going to go after him again, I just think that you've got to do that for Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason has to do that because if he ever is needed next year, if Rivers fall, if, so let's say the Colts resign him. If Rivers falls off the map and just is awful, which is possible, it's also possible you're going to have another season just like this one with him, and you're going to have another year of growth with Jacob Eason. Maybe you've got a draft quarterback you want. I, I don't think that the Colts at 21 draft are going to be in the position to draft a legit quarterback who is somebody that anybody looks at as this is our guy going forward. So I, I think that Jacob Eason is – as good as you could ask for right now in terms of a guy that you're trying to groom. I hope he does all the offseason work, comes in there ready to legit step in as a backup if he is ever needed because he could really be uh, potentially something special for the Colts there. Now, if you want to draft a quarterback in, in somebody that you think is as good or better than Eason, then you've got another backup uh, battle, so to speak, while you've got Philip Rivers, you know, as your starter, mentally, physically, still capable at his age, and you've got a guy who can run this offense, make those calls at the line of scrimmage that were so damn important. That in, in alone was a massive upgrade over Jacoby Brissett from a year ago. Massive. That intelligence at the line of scrimmage is what Jacob Eason needs to be watching. He needs a Philip Rivers to watch his brain work. Where is he going and why? I mean, I'm telling you, yes. Philip Rivers makes some YOLO throws and he makes some bad mistakes, but every quarterback is going to make their own mistakes. Jacob Eason's not going to make mistakes because of Philip Rivers making a mistake on what his decision was there. Jacob Eason is going to make his own decision there, but he needs to watch those plays to see the decision-making working for Phillip Rivers. There isn't a better guy to groom a quarterback than Phillip Rivers' brain. Watch him. I mean, I'm talking about in today's league. You don't want to see a guy who is primarily and almost entirely a pocket passer grooming another guy who is not mobile but has long legs, can run if absolutely necessary. You're not going to ask him to do it ever. That is what you want. you got a pocket passer, a future pocket passer, hopefully in the league, and you want him looking at him, watching his movements. How is he navigating the pocket to escape pressure without actually leaving the pocket? That's what Jacob Eason needs to be watching because he's 6'6". He's going to get those balls over the line of scrimmage. He needs to be working with the receivers. He needs to be walk, working with Philip Rivers and watching him and each of them. I mean, that is, it's, 
uh, it's pivotal, in my opinion. If Jacob Eason's going to ever move to the next level, this offseason should be the one where it happens. Because he needs to see this. He needs to be able to come in here as a legit backup for this Indianapolis Colts team. I, if, Like I said, if the Colts decide to draft one and they get one at 21 they think is as good or better than Eason, do do it. I don't care. I'm fine with that. Whatever the what, what I, I have a ton of respect and trust in Chris Ballard, whereas I know a lot of people don't. Um, I, I'm good with it. But I, I don't think that this is we have to right now address a number one quarterback and get rid of Phillip Rivers. You know, no, we don't. No, we don't. Picture this offense with Paris Campbell and Marlon Mack. Granted, everything's not the same. Offensive line. The Colts need a left tackle of the future. Need. Desperate. They need another interior offensive lineman that can take any of those utility spots in the middle. Do they have that with Pinner? I don't know. But they need depth along this offensive line. Legit depth. They've got a pretty damn good starting group. I mean, Costanzo's done after this next year if he goes into 2021 at all. I don't even care about what his contract says. I'm just saying. Colts have to do something there. Okay? The Colts really should add more legit depth in either a pass rush or a defensive lineman in general. Okay? And maybe you look at, you know, another corner, a top-level corner. There are things – because Rocky Sin just hasn't worked out yet. He just hasn't. We know that. Uh, he, he's been quite awful in a lot of aspects. Um, but the Colts got lucky this year with Xavier Rhodes, I thought. And TJ Carey, I thought, was a great pickup. Such an underrated pickup for Ballard. He played really good football this year. So there are other positions I'm much more worried about than quarterback. Yes, the quarterback is that guy that takes you to the Super Bowl. Uh, for the most part, gets you into all these games and, and and takes you to a 12 and whatever record or a 13 and three record, just whatever. You know what I mean? I, I just, it's just to me, not the thing that you want to do this off season. I think you've got an excellent quarterback in mind with Philip Rivers, even if you give him another 15 million in this next year and say, look, one more year and we're done, 15 Will you do it? Same team that gives you upwards of forty million dollars for two years. Uh, you know, so let, let's just say with all the accelerators that Rivers hit this year, uh, in terms of playoff, all that good stuff, I, I think he's going to be fine with a fifteen million dollar contract. I think you bring back Ty also if you're looking at that, but on a much less deal. So the Colts are going to have plenty of money. A young team, um, they've done what they needed to do with extensions so far. They're going to get more into that, obviously. You know, a lot of free agents this year for the Colts, but the Colts signed a bunch of guys to future deals. Some of them they've had in-house for the whole year. Uh, I love what the Colts are doing. Quarterback is not a dead, dire issue right now. It just isn't. Unless Philip Rivers hangs it up. If he hangs it up on his own, the Colts are in a world of shit, <laughs> in my opinion. I, I really think that the Colts should uh, bring back Phil. I'm, I'm just okay with that. I have no problem with that at all. Not just for what he brings to you as a leader at the position, but what he brings to you in the development of a similar quarterback in terms of pocket passing. You want to be efficient going forward and having a chance to be that quarterback of the future. You've got those two in-house. I think you're in pretty good shape. Do whatever you want to do to make that position better 
uh, aside from throwing all your eggs in the quarterback basket. That, that to me, is just not worth it uh, this year. It is not the time for that. So that's where we're at with quarterback. Um, I believe that I'm going to be doing the quarterbacks again this year for the college. I don't watch college football other than the, the bowl games all year long because I don't want any predispositions going into the quarterback evaluations. But I'm ex- super excited about what this Colts team is going to be uh, in the very, very near future. I think that the I trust in Chris Ballard. I like the coach. Uh, I like a lot a lot of the pieces they've got in line, uh, like their thought process on how they're building this team. You just got to be a little patient, just got to be a little patient and not jump to dramatics. Um, just because one thing happened or you had a few games where this happened, a couple bad decisions from the coach. Don't blow this up. It's going in the right direction. Chill out. You know, next year you got Reich making bad calls in every game or something like that. Maybe that's a conversation for later or something, and the Colts don't make the playoffs. Maybe that's a conversation. It ain't this year. Not me. Not for me. So that's where I'm at on quarterbacks uh, right now for the Colts. Uh, I agree with a lot of people's assumptions that – or assertions, rather, that uh, the Colts need to do something at quarterback. That's fine. Do something at quarterback. But don't blow your wad on throwing it at a guy that's super un- – untested in the NFL rookie quarterbacks are always a stretch uh this year there's a few that are good quarterbacks I think the Colts can get a good quarterback uh for a great competition with Eason as the backup or the quarterback of the immediate future in uh in this draft I don't think there's anybody that can come in here and take the Colts to 12 wins to improve on this team uh in 2021 as a rookie that the Colts would have attainable let me put it that way I don't think that's there so that's where I'm at so far, but uh, we'll, we'll go into more of that as we go on through the offseason. Um, good year for the Colts uh, over some disappointing, some aggravating situations uh, that the Colts dealt with and that we as fans dealt with. But overall, I thought the Colts had a really good year, um, got to the playoffs. I felt like they 11 wins is a damn good spot. That's a good place to be at the end of the year. It just didn't work out for the Colts who they played. And uh, the Colts couldn't capitalize on a couple mistakes uh, that they were forcing and a couple mistakes that they had of their own to get over the hump against the, uh, a top two or three team in the league. Sometimes that's all you ha- all, all that there is to get over to win, and you can't do it. Otherwise, the Colts had a great season. I thought it was a damn good game for the Colts. Damn good game. So that's where we're at right now. We'll go on to another position, uh, like I said, either later in the week or next week, and we'll uh, we'll keep this up throughout the offseason, talk about these positions pretty in-depth as well, and uh, get to where we think the Colts are going. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. I'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue.